Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, February the 21st, 2024. It is currently 12.15 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I I have to just say this. I have to say this just because, you know, some of you, for some weird reason, you chose to live in really bad places, like places that get cold and there's like white stuff that falls from the sky and, and it gets like 10 degrees or below zero. Just all this like really, really bad things that for normal people, that would be an indicator. That would be a sign telling you, move right? I mean, when bad things like that happen over and over and over, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold. White stuff is falling from the sky. Ice is falling. That's a pretty good, you should move, right? But no, for some weird reason, people are like, I'm going to stay here where it gets cold because I like all four seasons or some weird nonsense like that. So I have to sometimes remind you that there are places where, you know, normal people, rational people, smart people would move to, like, for example, here in West Texas, where today, ladies and gentlemen, it's not going to be 77 degrees. It's not going to be 78 degrees. It's not going to be 80 degrees. It's not going to be 81, 82, 83, 84, 85. It's going to be 87 degrees here in West Texas. That's the way it is supposed to be. Now, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're talking... Oh, you're, you're bragging and being all bold now, but just give it a little bit of time because that 87 will turn into 187 probably by March the 5th. Okay. 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 I get it. I get it. You know, obviously, but the point is it's really nice here in West Texas. That's what's going on behind me. What we're about to do right here in this studio is kick off another episode of Theology Central Radio where I dig into the archives. I walk down the creepy steps. Creak, creak, creak. Okay, is that, is, I don't know how to make the sound of creaky. I'm going creak, creak, creak. Okay. The, I, what do you call them? The, 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 you know, the wooden creaky steps down into the scary basement where it's covered in cobwebs and dust. And I'm going to go through, I'm looking in all the shelves and, oh, there's, there's an episode from 2020. I think it's May 2020. Let's grab that and let's play it for another episode of Theology Central Radio where we're trying to make use of thousands of hours of content because one day all of that content is going to go poof. It's all going to be gone. Hopefully not for a long time. We will have to wait and see. So we're going to go back to May 2020 and we're going to listen to an episode. This really is going to be the regulative and normative principle part two. I think I referred to this mini series that we did, like the guiding principle or what should be the guiding principle that guides the church. And what I was talking about is the regulative versus the normative principle. So we're going to go to part two. We aired part one, I believe yesterday for this, you know, this idea of the theology central radio. And hopefully I, I, I haven't heard, I haven't received many emails, but we've had pretty decent numbers for people t- tuning in. So hopefully uh, we'll get some people that will tune in and, and a 
let me know if they like this idea. I, I think it's, well, put it this way. Whether people like the idea, I like the idea of trying to use all these thousands of hours of content so that it doesn't go to waste. So we're going to go back to May 2020. Now, a couple of things. First, if you're looking for other things to listen to today, there's this new podcast called The World Unfiltered, hosted by me. And today we talked about mutated wolves from Chernobyl. Oh, that sounds interesting, does it? Chernobyl, right? You know, the whole disaster that happened in Chernobyl where we're, we talked about mutated wolves that are, well, that live right there in the Chernobyl area. And, uh, well, they're mutated, but the mutation is really interesting. So I go from kind of like what's going on with these wolves to a philosophical question. So look up wherever you get your podcast, the world unfiltered or world unfiltered. And if you cannot find it, let me know. Currently, I think it's already available on all the podcasting apps. And at this point, we've made like, I don't know, 0.23 cents. <laughs> okay, we haven't even made one penny yet. All right. So, but we're, we have monetized that thing to death. So we're hoping to build an audience for it. So maybe it can, it can turn into something. I'm trying to keep the episodes relatively short. So it's like interesting little things and uh, I can talk about anything. So you may want to go check that out. The World Unfiltered or the World World Unfiltered podcast, wherever you get your podcast. If you have the Spreaker app, that's a great place to listen because, well, I get I get extra money if you listen there. All right. Now, I mean, we haven't even got to one penny yet. So we're like zero point zero point two three cents. I'm like, woohoo! I'm rolling in the money, baby. Okay. All right. But yeah, you can go check that out. But in the meantime, in the meantime. Now we're going to go back to May of 2020. Now, this this was a crazy time. I was listening to the beginning of this just making sure everything, you know, sounded okay. There was a lot going on at this time. I was spending like multiple hours a day, like on this particular Sunday. I think I had already done three hours of broadcasting before the Sunday school hour. Then I did the Sunday school hour. Then I did the morning worship hour. I think I had done five hours of broadcasting. Then I went home, ate lunch, came back and did four or five hours. And I think I did between eight and 10 hours of broadcasting on that one Sunday. And that was a big thing I was trying to convince churches to do is during the whole pandemic, increase what we're doing. No, don't decrease. So um, it was crazy, but there was a lot of weird things happening, right? You're going to hear me talk about gunshots. You're going to talk about a bat and the sanctuary. It was just like, it was a crazy time. I, I, I look back now on some of it with fondness. <laughs> some of it, I'm so glad I'll never have to go through that again. But uh, so you're going to hear me talking about that at the beginning, and then I'll introduce the regulative and normative principle with a little bit of review and then we'll move on. So are you ready? Let's go back to Victory Baptist Church, located literally in the middle of nowhere. May of 2020. Yeah, I, I, I thought the church was small in May of 2020. I had no idea what 2024 was going to bring about. But if everything comes to an end in 2024, we had some, we had some crazy times, and we did a lot of, uh, a lot of teaching and hopefully we can still try to, for whatever is left, we can try to make mo the most use of that time. So here we go. It sounded like this in uh, a Sunday in May of 2020. 
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the morning worship hour here at Victory Baptist Church. We are a church located in the middle of nowhere, Texas. So if you happen to hear in the background what sounds like gunshots, clearly someone somewhere near our church is shooting a gun, and they obviously have a lot of ammunition I just want you to know that, no, we're not currently under attack. I am not currently being shot at. Just someone somewhere nearby is shooting a gun, and it's very loud. In fact, for a minute, I thought they were walking this direction. But, no, if you hear gunshots, it's we're not, we're not, no one's shooting at us. You don't need to call the authorities. We, we are safe. We are okay. Whatever they're shooting clearly is not safe, is not okay. They're probably doing some kind of target practice, it sounds like, because if they're, if they're trying to hunt, they're clearly missing a lot, okay? Cause, uh, yes. So, um, it was, it was really loud for a few minutes. I think now maybe they, they've stopped or they ran, ran out of ammunition, but there you go. If you do hear that in the background, you know what's going on. Someone is shooting. Yes. It's been, it's been, every time I come out here, it's been an adventure, uh, lately. Last night, if you were listening to me live, um, I was, uh, interrupted with a small bat that was inside the church. That was, uh, yeah, that was a little, uh, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're on the air live trying to give a, an important devotional thought, okay, about a stronghold and footholds and, and, and hackers who are threatening President Trump, and you're trying to put this, you know, whole thing together, and all of a sudden you see in the front of the church something flying back and forth from the left to the right, going back and forth. And you're like, what is that flying back and forth? It's a very large size. And then all of a sudden it starts coming your direction where you're live on, on the air, and you don't want to sound like, ah! You don't want to sound like that, but you're really getting very worried about possibly like, can I grab the microphone and get down on the floor and under the table? Like, what do I do? Do I call for help? You know, live on the air, someone please come get me. But yeah, so last night a bat, today someone nearby shooting a gun. Yes, it's it's what happens when your church is in the middle of nowhere. So, all right, with all of that said, we've got things to do this morning, all right? And we're changing things up. We're changing things up, and I know when we change things, change things up, people don't like it, but this is a good example of, well, wait a minute. Are we violating a principle? What is the guiding principle? So, quick review, because some people just now may be tuning in live for this service, so they didn't hear the previous service, so they don't have a clue what's going on. We're talking about guiding principles. We're talking about that principle, that one principle that guides a church, an organization guides your, your Christian life and it guides you no matter what happens, no matter what changes come, this principle just keeps going and it's, and it guides all the way to the end. What is that guiding principle for the church? What should be that guiding principle for you as a Christian? And we've talked about two principles that are usually utilized, one of them to guide a church or to guide a Christian. Now, what typically happens is people kind of fluctuate between the two, but the two principles are, the first one is the regulative principle, the regulative principle, and the second one is the normative principle. The regulative principle says you can only do that which is specifically commanded and outlined in scripture. That's, that's all you can do. You can't do anything else. You can't vary, you can't uh, have any, you know, you can't vary from that in any way, shape, or form. You can't deviate from that. That's it. You can only do what's outlined. That's what you have to do. You can't add to it. You can't change it. 
That's it. That's the guiding principle. You can only do what is specifically outlined and commanded in Scripture. Where the normative principle comes along and says, no, 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 no. You can do anything. You can do everything all the way up to the point where something is specifically and clearly condemned or prohibited. If it's not clearly condemned, if it's not clearly prohibited, it you are free to do so. All right. And Christians, uh, you know, we were uh, someone was talking in the chat, uh, one of the members of Victory Baptist Church about this. And, and right. I mean, do you have to hold the one versus the other? Can you hold a, a, a hybrid? Uh, can you like can you kind of mix the two? Don't know, but clearly these principles have, have, have guided people. And, and, and I stated in the last hour, and let me state it again. Let me state this again. In the last hour, I said that these principles really are, are presuppositions in a philosophy that we kind of place upon the Bible, and then we read the Bible through that lens. And, then, and that's kind of the way we then determine how we're to live and how churches are, are to operate. But you will hear people, if you're a pastor, you, you get those phone calls of someone saying, wait a minute, you, you, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be doing it this way. Or you can't do that. Or you can't preach that way. Or I don't like that. And you're like, okay, so which principle are you coming at me with here? Which one? Because sometimes they'll want to, they'll want to restrict the pastor on one hand with a regulative principle. Hey, you have to do church service this way. You can't preach a sermon like that. You can't do that. You can't. And then in the next minute, they'll say, Hey, we should be having a camping trip. You're like, well, wait a minute. Where is that in the scripture? So it's like one time they want, they'll, 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 people love to throw the regulative principle to regulate other people. And then they want the normative to nor- so that they can do what they want. And that's, uh, that's not quite the way it's supposed to work. You've got to figure out which one you're going to utilize. All right. But we'll give another, I gave an example in the last hour of uh, Hillsong and then changing one of the wise men and making her a woman when they were doing some big Christmas production. And we talked about all of that. Let me give you just another brief example. All right. Uh, Stephen Furtick, all right. If you open up Apple, uh, the Apple podcast app and you type in Stephen Furtick, in fact, uh, let me do it right now. Stephen Furtick, there he is. If you open up uh, the Apple, Apple podcast app, type in Stephen Furtick, you're going to see his picture and it's going to say Elevation with Stephen Furtick, Elevation Church. All right. Now, his weekly podcast is extremely popular. Let me give you an example. Uh, Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church, his podcast has 11,000 ratings, 11,000 ratings, all right? That's one of the reasons if you do a search for Christian podcast, he immediately pops up because of all those ratings. This is why I keep trying to ask people, go to our podcast and leave a rating because you don't, our, our podcast can't get no, noticed. We're like a, we're like an insignificant grain of sand um, on, you know, on a beach filled with millions of grains of sand. There's a million uh, podcasts. The only podcasts that get recognized now are the ones who have a rating. So that's why I'm always asking people, leave a rating, leave a rating. Um, but yeah, 11,000 ratings. Now, Stephen Furtick is obviously, when it comes to Christian podcasters and Christian pastors and his church, very influential, very. Now, when he preaches, usually there are plenty of Christians who get upset. They condemn his preaching style. They condemn a lot of things he says. Now, when it comes to the way he handles scripture, man, I get bothered. When it comes to his theology, whoa, I get bothered. But when it comes to the way he preaches, 
can I condemn it or not condemn it? Let me give you an example. I don't know when it was. I think it was during, I think it was during the uh, very beginning stages of the COVID-19 situation. He preached a sermon and his video clips show up in articles. They show up everywhere from his sermons. Now he preaches without a pulpit. I think if he has, if he, he may have like a little stand that he keeps some notes, but I don't think he has an actual pulpit. He obviously doesn't wear a suit, doesn't wear a tie. Um, he carries a, a handheld microphone typically. Sometimes he'll have the little headset microphone, but uh, there's a clip of him. He's laying down on the stage. He's laying down on the stage and he's got the Bible. Uh, he's got his head on top of his Bible like it's a pillow. Right. And he's trying to make an illustration about kind of resting on God's word. Kind of he's trying, he's trying to give an illustration. Oh, wow. Everyone went crazy on Stephen Furtick. How dare you disrespect God's word? How dare you do that? That is that is blasphemous. That is ungodly. This man doesn't preach this man. We should. And, and everybody lost it. Why? Because, well, he did not. He, he wasn't being regulated according to what they think a pastor can and can't do. He doesn't do his sermons the way, so people say he's not preaching. Why? Because, well, he doesn't do the sermon the way people think you should. The same thing happens to me. I'll come to church and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this this hour, right? And people are like, well, that's not really a sermon. That, like, he's, he's addressing a, uh, something in the news. That's not, and, and people, and, and in times past, people get very mad, but because they want to regulate the way they're like, they're, you can only preach this way. But then I would argue, does the Bible outline how you to preach? Does it? Does it, re- does it regulate? Does it give me a clear example? Does it? Because if you, if you even try to, like, you know, we, we say verse by verse exposition. Well, where does the Bible outline verse by verse exposition in examples of sermons? Now you can kind of get, and I, you know, they'll, they'll try to go when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Okay. All right. When Stephen was, was Stephen preached, like, do you really get an idea? Now people will always argue that their idea of preaching comes straight from the text and that, but I don't know if it really outlines how you can preach. So if I change it up a little bit, am I violating the regulative principle? Because do we have a regulative principle and exactly how I can preach? Right? Do we? We could, we could argue all day about that, but I just want you to see that these are issues that you have to try to work through. And so what is the regulative principle? What is not the regulative principle? Let's look at two uh, passages of scripture. And for those who, who may just be joining us, we're going to be listening to a podcast episode here in a minute. And then we'll keep coming back to the regulative normative principle. I've got pages of notes uh, that we could dig into this a little deeper, but we're going we're gonna to step away from the notes and listen to this podcast episode that I have where they're talking about church, and we're going to listen to go, wait a minute, are they calling for the regulative or the normative? And we're going to see how consistent they are. But let's look at some scriptures really quick. Let's go to the most famous one. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And if you've never listened to Stephen Furtick for Elevation Church, you should subscribe to the podcast. I don't agree with his theology. I don't agree with his doctrine. But you'll hear a good example of modern-day evangelicalism at work, and you can kind of see what's going on in a very influential church. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. A lot of times when people start talking about the church, right, and do we use the regulative or the normative, a lot of times people go to Acts 2 and go, that's how we're supposed to do church. Well, let's go to Acts chapter 2 and let's see what happens here. Acts chapter 2, Peter has preached, all right, 
Um, he calls for people to repent and to be baptized. And then in Acts 2.41, we read these words. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, many would say that regulates how we baptize. How do we baptize? They that gladly receive his word, then they're baptized. We would argue that the scripture regulates who can, how, who can you, who can be baptized? Those who gladly receive the word. Others will like, no, 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 no. Even though we have all of these examples, we, we are going to baptize babies because babies are a part of the covenant and therefore they need the, they need the sign of the covenant. The sign of the covenant is baptism. And they try to argue, even though you don't have any clear command to baptize babies, even though you don't have any clear examples of a baby being baptized, you don't have anything. What you, what you clearly have in scripture is, hey, when you receive his word, then you're baptized, period. But so, so is that more regulative or is that more normative? Many of the churches who, uh, who uh, baptize babies would argue all day that they're regulative. Many Presbyterians, many in the Reformed world who are very much saying, we're, say they hold to the regulative principle, will hold a service where they bring a baby up front and sprinkle some water on its head in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and say, now, hey, guess what? Here's now a member of the church. And you're like, whoa, that depraved baby who's still depraved is now the member of a church and we just purposely put a depraved person who's, who's still unregenerate? Like, wait, but, but they'll say, hey, the Bible allows that. But then they'll argue and that if someone wants to do a sermon like Stephen Furtick would do, they would be like, you can't do that. We hold to the regulative principle. Well, is, is it regular? Is it normal? I, I don't know. I don't know. But here we go. So they that gladly receive are baptized. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. All right. So what some would do is they read verse 42 and they create this as the regulative principle. Here's the regulative principle. What is the church to do? They are to teach the apostles doctrine. Fellowship. Now they'll talk about that being get together, eating meals, meeting together. They'll, they'll say that that's fellowship. All right. Now we could say, is that fellowship or is fellowship meaning they come together around the apostles doctrine and around the teaching? That's where they have fellowship. Okay, and in the breaking of bread, okay, many, many would say that's the Lord's Supper, and in prayers. So some would come. Here's the regulative principle. All right, the the you have a community that comes together in agreement with the apostles' doctrine. They have fellowship together in the teaching and proclamation of that doctrine. They break bread, so we should take the Lord's Supper every time we meet, other than Sunday school. Sunday morning, Lord's Supper. Sunday night, Lord's Supper. Wednesday night, Lord's Supper. Right? And in prayers. And then we have to pray in all of those at times. Now, do we pray at the beginning of each sermon? I don't pray usually before the beginning of my sermons. And I've had people who condemned me for that, um, who were in the church and told me that I was wrong, that you have to pray before you preach. And I'm like, where, 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 where do I get that? And they, they, they would argue from here. Well, that doesn't tell me when I pray. Right, so if you're going to be regulative, you've got to be careful. But okay, so that 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 what some people say that's exactly how church should be done. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now others will say, wait, those signs and and, and wonders those were only for the apostles, so they don't regulate what we do now. Others will argue in the charismatic world, see, signs and wonders must be happening in the church. It's regulative. It's right here. 
Then they go on, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Okay, some will argue, wait, that's not regulative. So verse 42 is regulative, verse 45 isn't. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat and gladness with singleness of heart. Well, this seems to argue that they met every single day. So is meeting every day regulative? Yes or no? See, this comes, so even that passage of scripture, some people will make part of it regulative. Other parts, they, they want a more normative approach. Well, I can do anything that's not, you know, as, as, as long it's not, you know, what we're doing is not condemned there, so we can do it. And others will say, well, wait a minute, what you're doing there is not commanded there. You can only do what was commanded in Acts 2 and following. How do you work that? How do you work that? How do you, how do you structure that? Now, can you structure the church in a regulative way just based off Acts 2 and following? No, you're going to have to go to other passages. Well, then you get to other passages and they're like, okay, what's the structure of the church? Some will argue the structure of the church has to be a denominational you, uh, denominational structure. You have to have someone higher up. You have to have a body of, of you know, of, of elected officials, a president, you, and they, they pass down the rules, and then they control the church, and then, they, then when someone wants to be a pastor, they send them to a church, and then they move them every couple of years, and then they're in charge. Others will say, I don't see that structure. Others will try to argue you do. Some will say, you better have a plurality of elders. You better have, a plur- you better have five people. You better have four people. You be- and if you don't, that's not, a, that's not a New Testament church. Well, wait a minute. What, so what parts, what, what, what instructions are, form our regulative principle and what instructions are just descriptive, but not prescriptive in what we are to do? You can debate these all day long. When we, when we were still very small, we had people arguing, we, we need elders. We need, we need, how many elders do we, they could never tell me how many elders we needed. We need three, we need four. I guess, you know, we needed, you know, 10% of the church to be elders. I, I, I don't know. And they could never really articulate what they were to do or not to do. What they ultimately wanted to do, they wanted a body of elders to, to regulate what I preached so that what I preached would be in line with what they wanted to hear and that I would preach only what they wanted me to do because some of them did not like me to come to church and, hey, there was this conference and Piper did this. No, they didn't want that. They didn't want that. So they wanted to regulate that, right? And they wanted, and they didn't want, and they wanted a regulative principle and placed upon my preaching that really isn't even outlined in scripture. So they were going to create a regulative principle. These are the issues facing churches. They, they faced churches for 2000 years. So that's what we're dealing with. And we, we define those, the regulative principle. We define the normative principle. And I was going to get into a more a lengthy teaching on it, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to change it up here. We don't have a lot of time, but we're going to try this. We're going to listen to an episode of a podcast that I subscribe to. I think it's called uh, Theology in the Raw or Raw Theology. I don't remember the name of it. Um, I grabbed the audio file. And they, they always tend to deal with controversial things. I mean, even their title, you can just kind of tell that they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to they're going to get on some people's nerves somewhere somehow and i don't always agree but again it, it gives me an insight to how christians are thinking what's going on in the church which i always like to keep up with and you as a christian you should be keeping up with what's going on in the church as well so we're going to listen to some of this now remember this is how it works um 
I, I found it. <clears throat> I started listening to it. And then I stopped immediately and like, okay, that, that's what sparked the regulative normative idea. But I did not listen to any more. And here's the reason why. When I do these where I analyze what I'm listening to, I don't like to listen to it first and then where I can kind of rehearse my reaction. I like my reaction to be very real, very organic, and that we listen to this together. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to listen to this together and be asking and thinking, regulative or normative? What's going on here? What's right? What's wrong? They'll set this all up. So let's listen and thinking caps on. I'll be breaking in a lot. You can put your feedback in the chat as well. Here we go. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw. That's patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw. Support the show for as little as five bucks a month. There's over 200 Patreon supporters, and if you support the show, you become part of the Patreon community, and you get access to lots of goodies, including once-a-month podcasts, once-a-month blogs, and just um, conversations that we have on that platform. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw. I have on the show today my friend from a distance. We've never met in person. I'm going to start charging uh, or having people support us $5 a month. And then I'll give them a blog. Wait, we already have a blog and uh, we don't charge for that. Oh, and I'll give them a, th- uh, a podcast once a week. Wait, I give them who knows how many podcasts each week. See, I- I- I'm in the wrong business. I'm in the wrong business. But see, right here, just that right there. I know you're, you're already laughing going, you already stopped. But I want you to just hear this. This is where we get into a discussion about the regulative and normative principle. I believe that the church should be the one supporting a Christian podcast and the church should support it and you shouldn't have to ask other people for money. Now, if other people want to send money, that's a whole different story. They're doing it on their own, their own free will and they're not being asked to do it. But there's all these Christian podcasts now who monetize their podcast, ask, and then not only do they monetize it, then they ask people for money and then they put it, you know, put certain material behind a, a, a basically a lock. And now if you give me $5 a month, we'll open the lock and then you can get the blog articles and you can get, uh, you know, an extra podcast. And it's like, well, well, hey, Theology in the Raw, don't you guys go to church? Why isn't your church supporting you? I mean, I, I think the New Testament outlines the idea that the church is the one who supports the ministries, not the like. But again, am I going for a regulative principle that's not even outlined in Scripture, or are they just going the normative? The normative is the Bible doesn't condemn what they're doing. So technically, we could we could monetize all of our podcasts, and I could start making some money. But is that right, or is that wrong? See, this is regulative, normative. Even right there in the intro, we hear the regulative, we're seeing the regulative and normative principle and, and, and you know, being out, played out, and they're going with the normative. But in my argument against it, I'm trying to go with the regulative, but am I being fair with the regulative? Right. All right, here we go. Isn't that so like 2020? Uh, I feel um, a kindred spirits with Hugh Halter. He is a church planner. He's an author. Um, he's, he's become kind of a, a guru in the evangelical, con- I would say evangelical, just a Christian conversation about exploring different ways to do church. And Hugh Halter is not just um, a a preacher of uh, (laughs) different ways of doing church. He is a practitioner. He puts his 
um, money where his mouth is. Actually, no, he doesn't put his money anywhere in church. As you'll see, he's a big fan of simplifying church so that um, the church is not dependent upon um, uh, financial. Um, it's not dependent on finances. Like, like we we don't need to like spend lots of money in order to break bread, uh, engage in discipleship, and be and live on mission together. He started this really cool. Um, uh, <laughs> what is it? It's called Post Comments. It, it's it's a building that it's it's a brunch center. It's a, a coffee shop. It's a place where they have like whiskey gatherings. They it's an event center, and it's it's just really cool. You got to go to postcommons.com uh, and check out what that is all about. And uh, anyway, in this episode, we uh, Hugh and I we just kind of explore what it means, what it will mean to be a Christian doing church. In a post-COVID-19 world, what, what, what should we learn from the massive disruption that has come our way, which has canceled church services across the country almost overnight? Like, that's pretty crazy. And what are some things we can do differently uh, in how we go about doing church in a post-COVID world if, there, if this thing ever lifts? Um, life will be different. So should the church be different? Anyway, we explore those questions and we have a great conversation. So please welcome back to the show for the second time, the one and only Hugh Halter. All right, I'm back with my friend, uh, Hugh Halter. Uh, Hugh, how are things going out in your world in the midst of this uh, pandemic that we're going through? Pandemic? Is there really a pandemic? Like, nothing's going on out here. It's normal out in St. Louis area. No, it's, uh, it's terribly awesome. Free time, but a lot of sadness over what's going on with the world. So, uh, what, uh, in in your world, what would you say is the main sadness? No, it's uh, well, man, it's hard to say. You know, I'm I'm now in the service business community, so you know, I talked a lot to our local business people, restauranteurs, and you know, everybody's had to lay off all their staff. So, you know, as we did, so there's a lot of sadness just related to the people that we've worked with. Um, I think we'll be able to bring everybody back, and so far everybody's fine, but. Uh, you know, if this thing goes two or three months, I think we're going to lose a lot of businesses. And uh, so that's a bummer, obviously. All the sickness and death going on is no picnic. But, uh, you know, I tell people apart from the true sadness, um, and I think there's some really amazing things changing for all of us if we we can kind of keep our ears to the pavement of what the Lord's doing. So I'm I'm enjoying some of the benefits of rest and relationship and getting some projects done. And, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to come back to that really quick, kind of your thoughts on what church is going to look like on the other side of this thing, if there isn't another side, yeah. but uh, real quick, just for our audience, you know, I had you on uh, about eight months ago, nine months ago. Um, just give us a quick update on who, you know, w- w- you're a church planner by trade traditionally, but what you're, what you've been up to the last several years has been, um, kind of more different, much more innovative. So just give us an overview of what the Post Commons is sure. and what kind of, if I could even say church plant you're involved in. Yeah, I mean, most of what I do now is, is and always have been for the last 25 years, training church planters in non-traditional forms of church. So we've done two of them ourselves, more, you know, networks of missionary communities and neighborhoods. 
non-traditional forms of church. Non-traditional forms of church. If you come up with a non-traditional form for the church, are you violating scripture? How far can you go in a non-traditional way and still be, you're not violating scripture, right? Like how much freedom do, do we have as a church to do something? How much freedom do we have? Again, regulative versus normative. You get this. I, I can do anything that's not specifically condemned. Okay. Well, I mean, how far can that go? How far can that go? I mean, and, and, and churches have pushed that as far as it can go. Okay. They've, they've gone pretty crazy, but at the same time, you can say you're regulative and then you add things that are, wait, where does scripture show that? Where does scripture show in a church service a baby being baptized? Where, where does that happen? Like, like how, how does that work? Right. So uh, there are, again, lots of, lots of issues of how to, how to do this. It can be something as simple as trying to argue you should do the Lord's Supper every week versus, well, there's no guidelines. Like how, like how do you do this? So, I mean, it can go to something that, that is cr- like you, on one side, you're going to be talking about something insane. Next thing you could just be talking about something that's much more, uh, much more small, like a, a much more quote unquote insignificant as far as it's not some big insane idea. It could just be like, wait a minute, when you came to church to preach and you wanted to talk about a news article, that wasn't preaching. That's not New Testament preaching. That shouldn't be done. Okay, so now it can be something like that to something bigger. But at the same time, the people who will argue about how you preach will be the ones turn around and go, hey, we better have a fellowship next Friday night because if you don't, you don't love anybody and you hate the church and you're not being the church. Well, wait a minute, where 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 is that commanded? So on one hand, they, they want to regulate. The other thing they want, and I think Stacy said in the chat that I think some people do the regulative, but then they, they do the normatives so that they can do what they want. And I, I think there's that's kind of what we do. But we've got to determine what – that we ultimately have to determine what does the scripture outline, normative or regulative, or does it even say? All right, let's go back and hear what the crazy idea is. Now, remember, they've already mentioned they do whiskey <laughs> tasting. Yeah, there you go. Now, some some will say that's perfectly okay. Others would condemn it. Right, we we would have a disagreement even in our own church. Here we go. But uh, what we're doing right now in Alton, Illinois, just north of St. Louis, is more of a we call kind of a Trappist work uh, business for mission. We created an apostolic hub that uh, is really a, a all day brunch cafe, coffee shop, and event center that sort of forms our sustainability, but also our missionary kind of emphasis in the, in the city sort of sets up everything. So I do a lot of uh, work kind of coaching leaders in what we would uh, actually impress. Um, I don't know if I told you this last time, but we're going to start a network called the free market church, which is going to be designed to help reframe church uh, without all the need for money and then uh, use our money to create sustainable ventures in the marketplace. Um, you know, for all the benefits that it gives. So obviously when you're doing free market church, you know, um, and then the market completely falls out, <laughs> you know, it hurts us too. So it's not a foolproof plan, but I think it might be the wave of the future and it is allowing us to make it. So, I mean, we're many, many churches. Free market church could be the wave of the future. I want you to keep that in mind. It sounds like what they do is they create kind of a business, like 
hey, we're going to have a coffee shop. We're going we're gonna to have an event center where people can rent out the, the, the a, a building. The, it's called Post Commons. I looked up the, the, the website. You can see it's this, it was this uh, historic building that they purchased. And then they, inside that building, you know, they have all, you can just get together for brunch. You can come there for coffee or people rent out the building uh, for weddings. And, you, and, and so it's the, what they call, you know, mission. So all of the free market, so they have these businesses to make money, which again then ultimately supports the church. So I guess what they're saying is that the future of church is free market. The church operates on one hand a business, and then that business then supports the church, and the church doesn't really need money, but they do need money because they need the free market business to work. So, but you're not asking people to give money. So I don't know if that's the, the future of the church, but whenever you hear these things, no matter how crazy they may sound, You've got to be on the lookout for it to see how churches start changing. I will say some churches have kind of been operating this system because you've had churches who bring in daycare, which is a business, right? Um, and they charge people large amounts of money for their, their kids to receive daycare. Uh, they'll create a Christian school where they charge large amounts of money for the kids to receive an education. They will uh, rent out their building for events, concerts, and weddings charge large large amounts of money. But the weird thing is, while they're doing all of these quote-unquote free market businesses, they're still having everyone give money and tithe. So I don't know if this is the wave of the future or not, but uh, this is just interesting. Again, and question, does this violate any scripture or is this allowed? Are Are they violating a clear command? Are they violating something that's clearly prohibited? Or... Does the Bible, uh, or are they not following what the Bible clearly outlines the way the church is supposed to operate, right? So are they, are they not going with, are they going beyond what scripture allows them to do? Or are, are they violating what scripture prohibits them from doing? Like, there's a lot of different ways of looking at this. Leaders will not make it right now. We're able to sustain because we have not tied any money to mission at this point. So everything that we would call church functioning, we think you can do that for no money at all. Like it's completely free. So yeah, that's uh, so for the audience. So uh, postcommons.com, if you go to postcommons.com, you can see an overview of what uh, this, what, what, what he's talking about. Uh, It's a brunch kitchen, coffee shop, event center. Um, uh, is there a whiskey? Well, pasting of course, Preston, there's whiskey everywhere. There, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we have, I mean, God, you can't have church without whiskey. Full bar supports the events and, uh, you know, you can get a pour during the day as well, but it's mostly to service the events that we do in there. And what, so, um, somebody might say, well, okay, so this guy owns a coffee shop and he's a Christian, but what, I mean, how is this church or is there like a gathering or something that happens at this place or what kind of church gathering, if we even want to use that phrase, isn't, is intertwined. with? Yeah, You will find though, like as you're watching Facebook and and you're noticing all the, the, I guess, uh, articles being written about church right now, most people are still, I I don't know why we still keep seeing church in, in these ways, but all we're talking about is the gathered stuff. Like how are churches live streaming their sermons to, whatever it is. And I think we're missing the substantial uh, undercurrents of, of a massively different way of thinking about church. So yeah, we have a coffee shop, we run business, but 
all that is is what we call an apostolic hub. It's a convergent space that uh, allows us to connect with the same people every day and link our missionary team in with that. So it's a, it's a very integrated environment. Um, and so, yeah, we, we do church stuff all the time. We've got neighborhood communities. Uh, we do have gatherings um, right now, like everybody else are on Zoom. So there's nothing different about that. But our gatherings are not to deliver a sermon. Our gatherings are more like uh, missionary training times. Uh, we teach our people that they have to be responsible for their own spiritual formation uh, inside their community. So when we get Hey guys, you're responsible for your own spiritual formation. So we're going to still be a church. Uh, I still want you to give money, uh, but I'm just not going to show up anymore because you're all responsible for your own spiritual formation. So, hey, y'all get to it. Um, I'm going to be at home. Um, I'm going to watch uh, a lot more wrestling on the weekends and uh, y'all figure it out. But hey, uh, please make sure you're still uh, paying my house payment. Because uh, that would really be appreciative if you do that. And uh, still, uh, please support my podcasting efforts. Um, but um, you're, you're on your own, okay? So you, you got it. You're, you're responsible for your own spiritual formation. Please note that. This is the church of the future, okay? The church of the future. We have lots of businesses and we don't really get together for like a sermon. We do some missionary training and we tell you that you're responsible for your own spiritual formation. Yeah. Yeah, the the church of the future. So, yeah, if you have small children, you just may want to explain to them, uh, hey, remember what church uh, in, in the year, you know, in the year this year, you know, 2020, that was the year the church died. OK, that was the year the church died. And let me tell you what a church used to look like for grandma and grandpa. OK, back in the olden days, we would actually go to a place called the church and the pastor would teach us and try to disciple us and try to help us with our spiritual formation. But we realized that that was a stupid idea. So now you're just responsible for your own formation. In fact, now, as a parent, I think the child is just responsible for their own uh, formation. In fact, we should just let the whole world just, you know, go with this system. So I, I bet you the public school uh, doesn't like that idea, do they? No, they, they think you should be there for the formation of learning, right? So it's weird. So I guess the church, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in a Christianity anymore, but here we go. Either via Zoom or when this is over and we gather normally, uh, we're more like a cloistered order, if you will. Like we're talking about the mission and we're talking about our lives together. Uh, we're not just trying to deliver a teaching and then try to get people through the week and do it, do it again. So I think most churches right now, that's yeah. where most of the conversation is. How do we just keep the sermons getting out to our people? And we're missing, uh, you know, the reality of what God might be opening up for us. As, as far as, what, you know, we talk about more incarnational life or incarnational church where all that means is it's less programmatic or may not have hardly any program. It's individual people that learn how to, to give leadership to their own street and their own neighborhood. And again, I still, I'm not saying anybody talk about that. You know, churches are going, yeah, we're doing some cool stuff now because we've got some free time. But my fear is that when this is over, they will go right back to where they were and they will just go, to listen to sermons. I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. Is God behind this? I don't think so. Is God using it? Could he have stopped it? Yeah. 
Why isn't he? Maybe he's saying, look, I am really tired of you guys focusing on your church gathering so much. So I want to, I want to, let's linger here for a second, because I've got some kind of. Hey, God is tired of our church gatherings. I hope y'all know that God is tired of it. That's why he's allowing the pandemic to continue, because he's tired of our church gatherings. He's just, he's done with it, done with it, all right? Now, again, regulative or normative. Now, if you're going to argue against it, you've got to ensure that if you're using the regulative principle to argue against it, that you don't then turn around and violate the regulative principle and other ideas that you hold. You don't, you've got to ensure, because we can criticize this, and obviously I'm mocking it and using a little sarcasm. I know it's the first time you've ever heard me do that. But what we have to, what we have to do is, and I say this all the time, when we look at something else and condemn it, we got to first look to ourselves. So if we're going to use the regulative principle and go, the regulative principle condemns that, then do you turn around in your own mind and violate the regulative principle in your own actions, in your own church attendance? And your own attitude towards church and your own attitude towards your Christian life. Like you can't demand the regulative principle on them and then violate the regulative principle for yourself. You can't argue for the normative principle for one. And that you, you, you've, you've, we've got to figure out in our own minds how this all works out. This is just serving as a good illustration of what's going on. And then we have to try to look to ourselves in it. So I want to make sure we, we don't just look to them. The goal here is not for you to go, wow, that guy was, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I want you to look to yourself as well. I want you to, this is the, this podcast is serving as a exercise for you to exercise this idea of normative and regulative and try to work it out in a thoughtful way. That's the purpose. If, 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 if this ends and all you guys are doing is like, man, that was crazy. You missed the entire point. All right. Now, ultimately, it doesn't matter if you get my point, because we've just learned that you're responsible for your own spiritual formation and you don't really need to get me to teach you anything. So, all right. So, all right. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more sarcasm just to throw it in there. But oh, but I am trying to be I want I am being serious that I don't want this to end with it's just about this guy. That's this guy this this guy is just being used uh for us to get to a deeper conversation about the regulative and normative principle. All right, here we go. I don't know. Um untested just thinking out loud thoughts that I've been been, uh, been mulling over for the last few weeks. I'd love to bounce them off you. Have you bounce your ideas sure. off me? I I just I, I I hear from, I probably hear from a, a good number of people that church isn't a building, that church isn't a service. You know, I, I do see even people that are in a more traditional environment that at least I hear people say, you know, church is so much more than just the gathering, so much more than the service, you know. Um, and yeah, it, it does feel the, like practically though, the service and I've got nothing wrong intrinsically with services when yep. they're in their place in the, in the process of discipleship. Um, uh, but I still, I don't know. I, f- I feel like through this whole COVID thing, it, it's kind of exposed from my vantage point. I could be completely off you and please spank me if, if I am, it just seems like, like you said, people are focusing so hard on simply replicating this church service again, yep. so, which makes me think, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know if we really believe practically that church is much more than a large gathering, much more than a sermon, much more than a service. Cause it seems like that's a, a still the, the one thing that I see churches 
you know, frantically trying to preserve. Do you have, I mean, am I, do you have any thoughts on that? Or what's no, your, I mean, obviously uh, a ton of thoughts, you know, this morning, uh, Todd Wilson, who helps facilitate the uh, exponential church plant conference, which is really the largest church plant conference in the world. He made a post today, basically asking, okay, guys on the missional side, all of you missional guys, are you really doing anything different than the more traditional attractional guys? And, you know, I'm kind of watching the threads today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the, the, the question was framed, it still is like, yeah, you guys are doing Zoom meetings. So are the big boys. So what's the difference? And what I was trying to point out is that there are some systemic things yeah, way past the, whether or not you gather people to look at each other and talk via Zoom. Yes, we are doing that too. But, you know, I just pointed out some things that are unique to the missional movements that I see. And what we're doing is that we're, like I said, we don't, we don't have to try to keep uh, the community together through this means, especially in order to collect funds, because no money exchanges hands in our network. A hundred percent of the monies that we have, we find things to do with it that directly serve people. So there's, um, and that's, I think, a huge difference. There's zero pressure for us to gather people on a Zoom or face-to-face uh, to kind of deliver something to them, if, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the functions of shepherding, pastoring, teaching, evangelism, discipleship, uh, crisis management, you name all the major functions of what we do in church, we don't tie any of those functions to money. And that's, that's mm-hmm. somebody has to start talking about that. Like, if, if let's say this writer virus goes 10 times what it was doing now, if we have another great depression numbers are that we're already there, you know, as far as unemployment, but let's just say we don't get bailed out and this thing really goes down. Um, I know that most, all of those functions of ministry, which Ephesians four would say are the works of ministry, right? That are given to all the saints to do. Um, I know that all of those functions will, now stop right there and, and, and listen what he just did. He, he's throwing out this whole unique way of doing something. And now he jumps over to Ephesians 4 to say, hey, here's the, here's the ministry. Here's how we're supposed, these are the different things we're supposed to be doing. I go, well, wait. So he's going, is he going to use Ephesians 4 to be, hey, this regulates what we're supposed to be doing. It just doesn't regulate how we do it. Well, if it doesn't regulate how we do it, are there any other scriptures that could regulate how you do it or put a limit to what you can do? Like, I, I bet you in Ephesians 4, we don't see whiskey tasting, right? Is that a ministry, right? So so to, is Ephesians 4 used or is it not used? Ephesians 4 gets us to equipping saints, that all of these, these pastors and teachers are given to the church to equip saints so they're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Right. So where is the equipping occurring? Well, the equipping doesn't occur in the gathering. It it, it, it just I like. So it's like it's always weird how people will grab a scripture, use a scripture. And then it's like, so why even quote Ephesians four? Does it even matter what Ephesians four says? So I I don't know. Let's let's get back to this. It'll happen. It's just right now people are are trying to almost like circle the wagons and go, hey, let's just ride this out. We can get back to normal. 
I don't think we want to get back to normal. Um, the other thing that, you know, I highlighted for Todd this morning is that, again, where most churches just open up a Zoom meeting, um, anybody can kind of sit back, grab a coffee, and they can actually go, look, I think I'll do 15 minutes of Stephen Furtick, and then I'll go over and dip on <laughs> in to Tim Keller for see what he's got going. And, you know, they, they can literally become more of a consumer in, in this new environment. Uh, Mike Frost yeah. posted an article today about, Please note, he named Stephen Furtick. He, he mentioned Stephen Furtick because that's the go-to guy for a lot of Christians now. They're going to like, I'll tune in here, but I'm going to listen to Stephen Furtick. And he's the one, his podcast has all the, the the reviews and all the ratings. And so he's the one that people find. And so just um, I, just make sure, that's why I mentioned, St- I didn't even know he was going to mention Stephen Furtick, but I mentioned him because he is right now one of those people that you need to be aware of. So you know, you can subscribe to his podcast with the 85 billion other people who subscribe to it. Uh, but again, if you want to help us out, you've, you need to leave rate, a rating and review for our podcast or we, we, we get buried by those people. Look at uh, If you look at Jill Osteen, I don't even know, probably 23, 24,000 ratings, some crazy number. So, But he mentioned that, but here we go. He's, he's describing just the way church – and I, oh, I will address this – Seth asked the question, so the only reason we meet is for money. It shouldn't be the only way we meet, but I will argue, and I've continued to argue, I think the reason they started the drive-in services, so many churches started the drive-in services, was because not because they thought, oh, we've got to fulfill the scripture of not forsaking the assembly. They wanted the drive-in services so that they could get money. Because in many of the drive-in services, you're pulling up into a parking lot, looking at the side of the building, the pastor is inside the building preaching. You're listening to it on your radio. But guess what? Someone's going to come by your church, your car door, your car window, and put a basket in there wanting money. So I think when many of the reasons churches have violated the stay-at-home order and did the drive-in services is because they needed money. They needed money. Now, that's that, to me, is a, a different problem. Why, why do churches need so much money, Right? Like, can't we do church without having big, giant buildings and uh, all these programs that require, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to support? That's a different issue, right? Now, again, the the regulatory and, and uh, you know, the, these two systems of thought, they, they come into play here about even how we operate when it comes to money and, and those kinds of things. But he clearly... Uh, He's he's trying to get away from that, but by getting away away from that, he's trying to. It seems to throw out the get the the typical gathering, and again, all kinds of uh, the normative and the regulative principles here come into play. All right, we're at we're at noon. I'm going to play just a little bit more, and then we'll stop this, and we're obviously going to have to finish this tonight. So we'll listen just to a, a couple a minute or two more until I can kind of get a a good concluding a spot and figure out where I'm going to back this up to tonight. All right, here we go. How this might put us back thirty years. If we just, um, but like in our setting, not only do we not tie any money to it, we don't let anybody find our Zoom meeting unless they're a part of our community. That's why we say we're more like an order. We're um, like, you could only have been invited to our Zoom meeting if you're literally um, somebody that's a pre-believer or you're already a part of our community. So we did, we invited 20 folks that are not believers to our, our Easter time. Um, but we do life with those people and they're all asking us stuff about God. We would never have put out a post that said, Hey, Altonians or people in the St. Louis area, jump on in with us. Um, 
So, and I think, you know, if you really ask the question, well, why, why would you close off the community to people? Those are some of the, the questions I think we need to be asking is like for us, mm-hmm. we don't want anybody to consume. It actually would take energy and spirit away from what we're doing. We literally want to form communities that are very local and have very shared missions together and literally integrate it all. Um, and I, I think this will be the kind of the second wave of the missional world is us trying to help people move from that consumer safety orientation to uh, I'm going to get back out there. And I'm actually not going to wait for my pastor to teach me. I'm actually going to read the scripture myself and see if I can translate this to some of my friends that are open, you know. All right, we'll stop right there. I, I, that's a radical approach considering so, hey, we're going to cut up. We're not going to uh, let people in. So like right now, we're live streaming for anyone to listen. I don't know how many non-members uh, of Victory Baptist Church are, are listening. Probably a lot. According to this idea, I, we shouldn't be doing that. We should cut it off and only invite certain people in and put this behind some kind of wall where we only let certain people in. Well, wait a minute. The Great Commission is to go to the world. Right? We go to the world. We preach to the world. Well, when, when, where do you have in the Bible limiting it? Where do you have limit, limit, limit the message, limit the message. No, no, only, okay. Hey, Seth knows someone. We'll let, we'll invite that person in because Seth is living life with that person. You know, he can invite Lydia, the unbeliever in to, to listen because, you know, he lives life with her or, or someone he works with. Okay. Like we limit it. Like where, where is that in the New Testament? Go and preach to the world. Teach everyone everywhere. Publish the scriptures everywhere. Like, that's a whole weird, different way. And, and he's calling this concept kind of the second wave of the missional movement. But I wish, I wish, I, like, I, part of me, what I needed to do is stop this uh, recording, like, le- literally almost after every word, because they throw in so many buzzwords. You've got to learn to know the vocabulary. I tried to teach everyone about this in the emergent, when the emergent church was the big deal. Listen for the word, com, you know, community, community. We're going to do community. We do community. And I'm like, that's a buzzword for the emergent church. And then we started seeing churches in Abilene adopt that language. You got to listen to the language because the language gives you the, philo- the, it helps you identify when the philosophy begins to infiltrate churches that you know. Um, and begins to and, and and again, listen to what happens. You've got to hear this out. Here's how it always works. Someone throws out an idea that seems crazy and extreme, right? It's it's 50 miles in front of everyone. The majority rejects the idea as being crazy, but it puts the idea out there. Someone then takes the crazy idea, modifies it. And the, and the same philosophy, the same idea just gets modified in a way that people will accept and will receive. And then they accept it. And you, you, you're still 50 miles away from the original idea, but, but things start changing. The language starts being incorporated. Ideas start showing up. And then that's where the change begins. The cha- the, the original idea is rejected. But someone takes it, modifies it, and so then ultimately you get to where they are. They're, they're currently 50 miles ahead of you. You may not get there in five years. It may take 10 years, but 10 years you ultimately get there. But it started with somebody throwing out an idea that everybody was like, that's insane. And then 
ultimately you get there just 10 years later. And that's what happens when you hear some of this stuff. What Christians always have, that's just stupid. That's dumb. That's never going to happen. Okay. And then 10 years later, you're like, wait, remember when you said that was stupid? Remember you when you said that was dumb? <laughs> yeah, you were wrong. You've got to have people who have the vision to see, wait, pay attention to this. Pay attention. Now, I don't know if the COVID-19 is going to spark any major changes in how church is done. If it does, it may spark the changes. It won't happen immediately. It'll be five or 10 years down the road because some of because some people are utilizing this opportunity. They already had crazy ideas and they're going to try to further that idea based on the experiences people have had during the COVID situation. All right. So I want you to just hear that and think about that and really try to, you know, that like there's a lot of ideas going on there, you know, blo- you know, uh, limiting who can hear all kinds of crazy ideas, but, but they're, but it's all radically going to change the mindset of the church. Let's not have gatherings normally. Well, that's everyone's been experiencing not having gatherings normally. And trust me, there's going to be plenty of people and hopefully not in Victory Baptist Church, but there's going to be plenty of people of other churches are going to be like, man, I haven't gone to church in, you know, six weeks. I haven't gone to church in eight weeks. And, and I still got church. I still got to listen to it. So I'm not going to show up. And so they're just going to, I think you're going to have a lot of people who don't come back. That's just, just a thought. Well, is it wrong or right? Like, you know, like what, what regulates it? But the, the regulatory or the, or the uh, you know, the, the normative, those are the, the ideas you really need to think about. But I'll stop right there. I know, again, remember I told you, lots of questions. I didn't give you any answers. We'll still need to work through the regulative and normative principles in a much more detailed way. But we'll back this up to about, um, probably back this up to about the 11-minute mark. We're at the 16-minute mark, and then we'll move forward and uh, try to finish this tonight. And then I may have to do some teaching on the regulative and normative principle um, in, 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 in the week to come or maybe on Wednesday. We'll see. Uh, I know we went, wanted to get to Romans, but I felt that this is an important concept to talk about now. Um, and I didn't want to wait because this podcast episode is recent. So I wanted to jump right in. And uh, well, you can either say that oh, I shouldn't have done it this way. <laughs> you can either argue I violated the regulative or or I followed the normative. You, well, you can have that discussion. But any thoughts you have, please share in the chat. I'll stop right there. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we come before you this morning. Lord, thank you for um, just giving us an opportunity to discuss these issues. Thank you for giving uh a church that allows for this kind of discussion and struggle and theological consideration. And Lord, I pray that you will just uh, help us try to figure out what should be the guiding principle, not only for the church, but for our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And welcome back to Theology Central Radio. I hope you uh, appreciate it. I hope you got something from that. That's from May of 2020. We're almost four years forward. We're almost four years uh, since that has, uh, that was preached, that was taught, that was, that broadcast occurred, that, that kind of a church service that happened. That was May of 2020. We're almost four years from that. And a lot of those issues that we talked about on that particular Sunday, a lot of those things that I was warning about, I was saying, I didn't think a lot of people were going to come back. Well, I mean, how many studies have said how many people did not return to churches after the COVID pandemic? 
many people did not return. It hurt many churches. Many people moved during the pandemic. They were listening to other churches. And then when it was time, they just went to the other church. Like so many things happened. We're still, remember I said it would be five to 10 years, five to 10 years where we really see what what happened during the pandemic, how was it going to transform church? And I said that we may not quite see it for five or 10 years. Well, we were almost at the four-year anniversary since that broadcast occurred. We'll be fast. 2025 will be at five years. And then between that five and 10-year mark, I, I don't know. I don't know what the church is going to look like. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think a lot of those concepts are still playing themselves out. Look, it even had a profound impact on me. It had a profound impact on me. And even to this very day, I drive past the church building and I look at the building. And I'm like, I wonder how much money it takes to keep that building going. How much money? How much is the insurance on that building? How much is the electricity? How much is the, the water? How much is this? I wonder to clean. How much do they pay for cleaning? How much does it cost for all of the salaries for the staff? How much does it cost for all the curriculum they're using? How much does it cost for all their programs and plans and activities and to have coffee or, or donuts in the morning or whatever they're doing? Uh, what, what are they doing for the youth? And when you look at how much money is spent in one year, really just to keep a church operating. I mean, it's hard for me to go, whoa, what are we accomplishing by showing up to these buildings? When in many cases, I mean, on that particular Sunday, on that particular Sunday, I had, again, that was me in an empty building, in an empty building, nobody was there, and I broadcasted somewhere between six and eight hours of content just being broadcast, eight, almost eight hours. Now, I could have done that from right here. I could have done it from right here in this room. I could and, and not even have that building. That building could go away and I could still produce that much content. I mean, look at, I've already, this is, we're well over, we're probably at two and a half hours of content today that's been broadcasted. And if I do another broadcast coming up, that that's like, it, it, it's hard not to ask that question. So then you're like, well, what governs, what is the principle that governs what should we do? Well, then you get down to the regulative and normative principle. I was trying to look at the landscape of 2020, looking at kind of the, I mean, the church was in chaos. Everyone was trying to figure it out. Everyone had ideas. Some people were seeing the, some people were looking at ideas to survive. Others were looking at ideas to transform the church of the future. That's kind of really you, you really had three mindsets during the pandemic. One was, we're going to, we're going to hold on to what we do. We're going to fight. We're going to make a point. It was print. It was a, it, it was political. It was like trying to, they, they were in a fight mode. They were just in a fight. They just were going to, I don't care what you tell me to do. We're going to do this. They wanted to make a point. They wanted to fight. Uh, others were more in, we have to survive mode. And then there were others who were like, we're going to be the revolutionaries. This is going to be a way we can, we didn't like the entire traditional church structure from the beginning. We can now, we can call for its total abandonment. We can burn it to the ground and something new can arise from it. And we've talked about some of them, right? Sandals Church, which is an online church. Uh, we've talked about other attempts to, to what is it going to look like? Now, 
most, some, none of those things have actually caught on. I don't think in any major way, or at least not that I'm aware of. I don't think they've caught on in any major way. But whether they catch on or whether they don't catch on, we know that the church has transformed, I think, since 2020. I mean, we've, we've talked about the book, The Great Dechurching, how many people have left the church, how many people didn't come back. We've got major churches facing financial issues, churches that are going to reach their inevitable end in, in 2024. There's going to be lots of churches who close their doors in 2024. I've talked about Victory Baptist Church. That's where that message was recorded from. And I talked about Victory Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. There's a, a very, I put it about a 90, 90% Probability. I probably put it at 98% probability, 99% probability. It's not going to exist anymore by the end of this year. It's going to be, we're going to bring it to an end. 24 years, it's going to come to its inevitable end. How much of it's related to the pandemic? I don't know how much. It was more related to, well, people didn't like what they heard. And so they, they moved on to other places and we have not been able to bring the new people in. And so you inevitably come to an end. And well, then what does that mean for this podcast? Like we've been, we've been dealing. So I, at, at that time, 2020, I felt like, okay, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. There was, there was a sense of optimism that even though it was difficult, Hey, we're going to pull this off. We're going to stick together. We're going to work together and we're going to make it. Well, by 2024, that optimism is gone. That optimism is dead. That optimism has been buried. And so I, it, it, there's a lot of transitioning still happening. And I don't know what the future holds because I just know the younger generation moving up. Now, they may find it somewhat nostalgic to go to a building, but I think many of them are going to look like, look, if I'm going to a building to hear a sermon, you do realize <laughs> there's more and better content than I can get from that church down the street. So Why? And I think more people are going to be like, why am I giving my money? And I think it's going to be like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think we're going to, I think we're going to see, I, I think you can make a prediction that the number of churches that exist in America in 2024, I think that number will be reduced. I can't go with a full in half, but it's going to re- be reduced by 20 to 40%, I think, by the time we get to 2029. I really do. I think between 2024 and 2029, just more and more churches are going to close down. Now, there's still going to be people out there wanting spiritual food, wanting, wanting to be spiritual fed. They still are going to, to want to learn, but they're going to look to other avenues. And then how are those other avenues going to be funded? The church has survived on the, on the idea The church has survived. I apologize there. Um, the, I had to cough. The church has survived really on the idea, you, you, A, you're supposed to come to this building and you must give at least 10% of your money to this building. Or even if you don't believe in the 10% principle, you, as you have been blessed, you are to bring money to this church and you should do so cheerfully not out of necessity, but you should do so cheerfully and you should give as you have been blessed and you should give as need arise. And that somehow that's a part of your spirituality. Well, as, as things change, people are going to, if they don't feel like they have to be at a building, then are they going to support online content? And if they don't support online content, do we wake up one day? Do we wake up one day and we've reduced churches by 30 to 40%? 
and you've reduced online content by 60 to 80% because people aren't, they're not supporting it. And then it's, and then some, I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but someday I think Christians are going to wake up going, wait, what happened? I sometimes say that about, well, I mean, we know Christian, Christian radio is by no means what it used to be. But if you look in some circles, like there was a day, you know, you had Swindoll, you had MacArthur, you had Chuck Smith, you had, and, and then many of those men are all like either you know, Swindoll or uh, Charles Stanley, he has passed away. Uh, R.C. Sproul, he's passed away. MacArthur's probably close. Uh, Swindoll is probably some of these great names who kind of dominated James Montgomery Boyce. He's passed away. Some of these men of the past who dominated the airwaves, they're going to be gone. And who's going to arise to replace them? Who's going to be there? And what 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 is it? What is the landscape going to look like? I don't know. I don't know. So I was asking questions then, but the principle has to be regulative or normative. And how does that apply? to all of these, this transforming church. I haven't got it all figured out, but that's what I was trying to do in 2020. It's just crazy listening to it four years, almost four years later. And you're like, wow, we still got a lot of things to figure out. All right, well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Theology Central Radio. It's kind of an experimental concept where we're taking the the, the large library, thousands and thousands of hours of content, and well, bringing it back and playing it again and adding a little commentary before and a little commentary after. Thank you for listening. Have a great Wednesday. If everything works correctly, I should be broadcasting live tonight from Victory Baptist Church. In theory, I should. We will see how that all plays out. If not, maybe between now and then, I'll do something here or maybe, who knows? We will just see, but... Just be looking for the next broadcast of the Theology Central podcast, Theology Central radio, and whatever other crazy idea that I'm trying. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful day. God bless.